Hello, and welcome to another episode of the William Branham Historical Research Podcast. I'm your host, John Collins, the author and founder of William Branham Historical Research at william-branham.org. And with me, I have my co-host, researcher, and friend, James Goad. And together, we're discussing the very weird things that preachers say, why they say them, and how they relate back to the latter rain healing revivals of the late 1940s through 1960s. James, you have picked a doozy of a topic today. <laughs> I, I don't even know how we're going to touch this. It is such a complex, complicated mess of things that <clears throat> uh, when you shared the clip with me, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that... I can't believe that they said this in public, let alone, I can't believe that this is even said in private in this day and age. And that's just one of the clips that you found. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's such a a whirlwind of different things that come out of the Branham movement and all of its splinter groups because... You know, there's the people who take what Branham said word for word around race and people like Martin Luther King and, and, and all these different things around that time. They take it as gospel. It's inspired word. And you have other people who try to renegotiate it into current day um, politics and, and what's acceptable to say in public. Um, and then you have a lot of things that just fall in a wide spectrum in between. And um, yeah, it is. It's quite a doozy when you start trying to pick out what all these ministers are saying and and, and try to uh, make it make sense, I guess, is for lack of a better way <laughs> of saying it. Yeah, and it's such a, it's also a complicated mess just within the framework of the cult, because what what was given to us as the public whitewashed version of the message, it was supposed to be all loving, all inclusive, and you're going to find large numbers of people with skin that is not white, who have accepted the message and they would say, no way is this in any way, shape, or form related to racist white supremacy, not knowing the history. And once you know the history and you match the timeline of what was happening in history with the timeline of what was being said, it gets really messy. And then where it gets difficult is, you know, the public version has been fully whitewashed And even to the extent that there is a strong appearance that many phrases and words and even prophecies were cut out. And you can find, you can do the search for blank spot and tape, and you can find where these things are just mysteriously missing, where William Branham himself will say, and God spoke to me and I had a prophecy, blank spot on tape. <laughs> and as you know, as a message believer, when you find that and you're studying that and you come across it when you're reading, you're like, wait a minute, why did they cut out a prophecy, right? <clears throat> but then you find that there are things that he said that apparently they missed when they started cutting things out. And things like where he said that Martin Luther King was going to lead his people to a slaughter. But when you think of what was happening in white supremacy during this era, the things that he said, like one, another phrase he said is that the blacks and whites would rise up and fight, fight again. There would be this big race war coming. When they miss cutting things like that out, 
you can't really take the whitewash version where he says, and I love people of all color. You can't really say this because he's saying the same thing the white supremacists are saying during this era. Well, especially when you take into account of Branham's way of saying he he go into like California or something like that and say, well, I'm in a mixed crowd and things like that. And it's like, and then he'll say different things back home that he won't say out, out in when he's among other people that don't necessarily 100% share his beliefs. So it's like, well, you know, uh, so you have to really be careful when you start parsing through what Branham says, because in one sense, you'll say, well, he appears to be completely contradictory to what he says over here, but you got to find him when he's in his element and when he's really speaking what he truly believes, because that's when you can really hone in on really what's going on and really what's the context underneath of what's being said. Yeah, I was really surprised once I understood that mixed crowd wasn't just talking about gender. <laughs> Whenever, <laughs> when the man started saying that, you know, they, you would hear the, the minister speaking. Now, he was speaking to a mixed crowd and men and women. And so you really don't think about it. You think, okay, mixed crowd, females, males. But you're not really thinking, wait a minute, there are instances where the mixed crowd meant color of skin. And that becomes so highly problematic. Yeah. And, you know, it, it filters through even today with, with the way that some of the ministers try to like renegotiate and reorganize and, and try to, try to make it make sense with today's politics and, and even some outright sort of say the quiet part out loud in some situations, depending on what their actual underlying beliefs are. But, uh, I think it'd probably be good to start off with these first couple of clips here and, uh, in diving further with what we're, what we're seeing here. And the first thing he said was over here in verse 28. He said, um, you know that it's unlawful for me being a Jew to keep company with you of another nation. That was the, the they had strict segregation. The Americans, you know, we've decided in this day and age, yeah, we're going to just have segregation, you know, integration. Well, it's not worked out all that great, especially in the world. And the believers, it's different. But over there, they had this strict segregation. And... Uh, you, you couldn't even know those those are heathen. We're the people of God. Wow, James. Like I said, that is a doozy. <laughs> we, <laughs> I, I conceal the churches and the people whenever we do this podcast because we're not singling out any person. And, you know, everybody's manipulated in the same way. <clears throat> but I think what I will point out is that this is one of the most respected people in all of the sects of the message. This is a person who is in the Branham family. I'll just say it like that and leave it like that. This is a person who is in the Branham family and has business entities and organizations and is beholden to all of this mess. So he is, um, he's a person of interest. I will still not mention his name because he, like me, was probably manipulated. But what he's saying is, you see, the cult is in this weird position now. It has now became widely known that William Branham was working with the second in command of the 1915 Ku Klux Klan and continued to work with him for years. You know, his name is mentioned all throughout, Roy E. Davis. <clears throat> and William Branham was spreading the Christian identity doctrine. As we, in this year, as we're going through all of the research material that we're compiling on British Israelism and its transition into Christian identity, we have became aware that William Branham was a strong component of Christian identity, even though where Christian identity ended up is not where Branham did, 
Branham likely would have because his, his life was cut short. 1965, his life was cut short. But he is saying the exact same things that all of the Christian identity leaders were saying in the era, right down to the serpent seed doctrine, which was it was Wesley Swift's version of Christian identity. And Swift is one of the primary, he's one of the key figures of Christian identity, which his specific flavor ended up into the neo-Nazis and the skinheads and the Aryan nations. It's some really, really bad stuff. So the cult is in this weird place, right? You've got all of this white supremacy background, and now people are being made aware that William Branham was outspoken against those who were battling for equal opportunity. And so this, the position that these guys have taken is that Branham was saying these horrific racist things because it wasn't, it didn't work out so well. And in doing so, they're repeating these horrific things and they think they're taming it down so that the people aren't as offended. But I have to say, if I had black skin, I would be just as offended. Yeah, there's there's so many problems. And with all of the statements Branham made around race, you can say like some ministers do, it's a product of his time. And but at the same time, you're taught when you're in the actual movement itself you were taught that what Branham was bringing was the further fulfillment of scriptures for this day and this hour and it was supposed to carry us through to the finale to the rapture but we've progressed socially beyond that time and Branham's words still are stuck in that time and they get worse and worse and worse the farther you get from it and the more we progress as a society. And if those words were supposed to bring us through to the rapture, then in, in the, in the way the message, you know, conceptualizes the rapture, of course, but shouldn't those words also have been able to carry through and some try to excuse it some try to renegotiate it and others just say it because they're like he said it he's the prophet of our of our day and so they just repeat it and you just cannot escape from all of the problematic ways in which he spoke about race in which he spoke about all the people of the time who were standing up against racial injustice and and by extension his stance that he's taking on the subject through the ways he's trying to tear down these people like Martin Luther King Jr and it's just it's just problematic and and you can't you can't re, you can't get away from it without calling it out for what it is and and that's some that's something that the Branham movement hasn't done it hasn't tried to reform in any way and call out these passages and say, this is wrong. We don't believe this. He was wrong for saying this. And maybe some guy does in some corner somewhere that I haven't heard. But you have to call these things out and you have to say, this is racism. We don't believe this. This man was racist. They just won't say it. Some, 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 they'll just, they'll just, they'll just act like these passages don't exist. These quotes don't exist. They'll, they'll skip over them. They won't bring them up. They'll do all these things to try to, to try to hide from what's going on. But the thing about it is, is when you hide from it and then people find it, the question is, why are you hiding from these things that are obviously problematic? Because they're here and we have to address them. 
for me, one of the bigger problems is one of the cult theologies is that of perfectionism. William Branham was coming <clears throat> to per- perfect the quote-unquote bride, and his words are leading us to perfection. Now, in society, I don't always agree with how you get from point A to point B, but we as the human race have a means of perfecting ourselves through time, through education, and when I say education, I mean learning from our mistakes. We do something that's very wrong, very bad, that gets called out, and we educate ourselves to the fact that, hey, the way we were isn't the way we want to be, and we strive to be better. Doesn't always work out, and again, I don't always agree with how you get from point A to point B, but in the end, if you compare where the United States was in the 1950s and 60s to where it is today, I can say that there are a lot of things that we do a lot better. Now, we've introduced new problems, and there are things that years from now, decades from now, we're going to hope gets better in those areas. But the things, the problems that we had in the 50s and 60s, many of those things are now better. <clears throat> William Branham's words were captured during that era, however, and his mindset was the mindset of the very wrong things that we as a society have now corrected, but we're being told this is the absolute truth that's leading us into perfectionism, and there is the conundrum, right? Because the things that he got vastly wrong (laughs) and, and were stuck in the era of days gone by, we're being told in today's world that this is leading us into perfection. And instead, what it is doing is it is leading people in a circle back to the very wrong things of the 50s and 60s. Yeah, and it even shows the harm that these sorts of things keep perpetrating today when um, – and, and, and one thing that I, I don't want to forget too quickly is, is, you know, coming off these last set of clips, the idea that integration hasn't worked out too well – or, or this idea that we maybe can't integrate with people of other races. Um, the, let's, let's put a pin in that one. And I think we'll have a nice way to circle back to that later in the episode through some f- further clips. But for now, let's move on to, to some other ones here. And, you know, there, there's some, there's a lot of issues when people try to renegotiate what Branham's saying or try to make it fit. Because one of the things that he did was he demonized Martin Luther King Jr. in 63. Um, and a lot of Branham's quotes were actually before Martin Luther King's most famous speech later in the year in 63, the I Have a Dream speech. That is one of the speeches that most people, when they hear about Martin Luther King Jr., that is one of the speeches that they're familiar with, maybe not in whole, but the the larger parts of it that have been um, disseminated the most throughout popular culture and through history. Um, but Branham is taking a, a staunch stance against him and saying things like he's going to lead his people into a death trap and he's communistic inspired. These are very interesting, very interesting things, especially the communistic inspired, because one of the things that has been exposed is that J. Edgar Hoover's FBI at the time was very actively against communism into the fact that it saw communism almost like a boogeyman around every corner. It's like communism's hiding under my bed sort of thing. And it, it 
almost to the irrational sense that everything and everybody that I disagree with is a communist. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it, it gets absurd to a certain extent, but one of the things that's interesting is at the same time that Jagger Hoover's FBI is pushing this, this very heavy idea that, that Martin Luther King Jr. is a communist and he's leading the people in communism or he's trying to spread communism. Branham is also saying that he's communist that conspired over the pulpit, which is a very interesting coincidence at the very least. Um, and the, it further goes to show how Branham's sort of ideas about this are being shaped by a very racist undertone of the era of the same time. It's, it, it's not, He's not sitting up high on his own platform, getting these, getting these messages from God to say that he's communist inspired, even though that's what some message people believe is that if he's speaking it, then he's obviously getting sudden signal from God because he's, in their terms, the prophet of the age. Um, but when you come down to it and you hear people start bringing these things into today and start preaching them over their pulpits, there's some very interesting things that get said when people try to make it fit with history. Um, so I think that's a pretty good way to roll into this next clip here. And uh, let's let's see what this minister says. So what do you mean, brother? You gotta understand where Brother Branham was. In his day and time. He, he, he was in a time when America was chaotic. You had the Beatles. You had Elvis Presley. You had Martin Luther King. Say it. Martin Luther King. And we thought, because we were so carnal, we didn't know nous ne savions pas he was moving in the realm of socialism. qu'il avançait dans la dimension du socialisme. Est-ce que je peux le dire? Il qui avait amené des gens à nous unir. Si vous ne savez pas ce dont je parle, <laughs> so let's not talk about it in public brothers let's go offline <laughs> where i'm not being recorded and let's talk about this <laughs> in private <clears throat> you know it's just so wrong the the position that ministers have taken on this because they're all aware that this is a racist thing that william branham is saying william branham is condemning one of the most outspoken figures in civil rights where it gets really odd to me and I, I just you know the whole thing is odd but where it gets really really odd is that what they end up doing many of them is they'll go off into conspiracy theories and say that let's ignore all of the good that martin luther king jr did and let's ignore the fact that today people with black skin and people with white skin can ride the same bus They can use the same bathroom. They can be seen as equals. Let's forget that Martin Luther King was a reason why we ended up there. Let's find some dirt on the guy and let's go dig up. <laughs> Maybe he's sleeping with another woman. I've actually heard this from one of them. Maybe he's sleep he was an adulterer. So therefore, let's ignore the fact that we have racial integration today. That's what they do, and a lot of them, they don't want to get caught on recording, especially now that you and I are doing what we're doing. <laughs> they don't want their name to be out there associated with them being white supremacists. Let's call it like it is. 
what they're saying is white supremacy. And so they'll get off of recording. Let's go talk in private, brothers, and I will spread my white supremacy to you in private. Yeah, and th- the thing that's interesting here is is this ministry even diverges from Branham in, in a way because he says that Martin Luther King was moving in the realm of socialism, not communism. And Branham said that he was communistic inspired, which is very interesting because communism and socialism, while they share a lot of traits, they are very they have differences and they have major differences. And one of the one of the things that it's not fair to do to people in these congregations is to throw things like communism and socialism and capitalism at them across the pulpit, especially in a religion that very talks down about education because these con- these subjects are very complicated and they're 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 theories of, of economic systems. And, you know, you can just say, oh, he's moving in the realm of socialism. But most people will be like, okay, I've heard something about socialism. I don't know what socialism is, whatever. But it, it's, it's very, it's very, I, I think it's very problematic to throw these buzzwords out at people when they don't even have the educational background to fully appreciate what's being said about, about these, these topics. And, and also to be fair to this minister here, Martin Luther King, was somebody who had read Marx and Marxist theory. Um, Martin Luther King in letters to his, his wife before she became his wife said that while there's good things about capitalism, I also see, you know, I also see things that maybe we could do better and maybe, may, maybe some socialistic things are maybe some of the answers. But what you find is that Martin Luther King appears to be somebody who was, by, by my estimation, somebody who was trying to look at the injustices of the time in a system where he's in a capitalistic system and trying to, trying to make sense of what's going on with this economic theory. And if you listen to his, his all of his quotes on this, on the matter, it, and especially when you talk to communism, he very viciously denounces communism. And, you know, while at the same time he's read Marx, he knows at least a little bit about Marxist theory, and Marx was, you know, a socialist, um, the, you have somebody who's intellectually trying to parse out what these different theories may have to offer in his struggle for, um, for equal rights and trying to find ways to move forward into a future that maybe has a better outcome for the people in which he's fighting for. Um, it's not so easy to say that just because Martin Luther King read Marx and there's a few points of socialism, he says, hey, maybe I like some of these points better or maybe I think they would mix better with what we're striving for, doesn't equal that Martin Luther King is a socialist. <laughs> it's a very complicated <laughs> subject and it's not something that you can just so easily boil down to he is X or Y. You know, it's complicated, but more to the point... This is all history, and unless you understand the history and you understand what is Marxism, what is communism, and more to the point, what are, what is white supremacy? What were what were the white supremacists saying during this era? Suddenly, all of this makes sense. Where unless you know that history, it really didn't, because when William Branham says that Martin Luther King was a communist and he was communistic inspired. 
you're immediately thinking, okay, Russia is communist. So maybe he's working with Russia or the Chinese are communists. Maybe he's working with the Chinese. No, no, no. <clears throat> what, what William Branham is saying is exactly what white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan, the National States Rights Party, the Christian Identity Party, the White Christian Nationalist Party, all of these movements in this era were saying that Martin Luther King was a communist because they were calling with a wide sweeping brush anybody who had black skin, anybody who was, that meant a Jew, a African-American or an African, <clears throat> Islamic, anybody who had black skin were invading the United States and it was going to be a communist threat because they would end up joining with Russia and overthrowing the United States government. This was the conspiracy theory during the era. So whenever William Branham labeled Martin Luther King with the label of communist, he is proclaiming his allegiance to white supremacy. Make no mistake, it is his allegiance to the white supremacy groups, <clears throat> one of which, the National States Rights Party, was headquartered in Jeffersonville, Indiana, William Branham's hometown. We shared um, articles from their newsletter where they were saying the same exact thing. Martin Luther King is communist, and all of these people are communist-inspired people. <clears throat> what he's saying is white supremacy. Where it gets problematic, James, these ministers who parrot William Branham for no other purpose than just to parrot William Branham. Many of them don't even study the guy. They have no idea what he's talking about, no idea what he's saying. When William Branham makes a mistake and incorrectly quotes Bible verses that he himself invented, these guys will parrot <laughs> these guys will parrot the Bible verses thinking that William Branham's a prophet, so he must know his Bible pretty well and not knowing that they're in violation of the whosoever shall add to or take away from this book. That's how bad this gets. Well, they're also parroting white supremacy. And in my humble opinion, and you're welcome to your opinion, <clears throat> whenever somebody is parroting a white supremacist and they're in a position of power and leadership, they themselves are white supremacists. I think that's a very fair way to characterize it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, there's there's so much that's done to excuse and not enough done to just be honest about the history around Branham and a lot of his a lot of his thoughts and a lot of the things he said about um you know the civil rights movement and things like that and and if people were if ministers were being honest they would have to say okay listen um even if they still want to believe in the guy if they were going to be honest about what was being said here they would say listen this was obviously a very racist thing that he was espousing here, and he was obviously very wrong for what's going on here, and we do not agree with the things that he said here, you know, and that would be, I would have to give some of these ministers, if they were willing to do that, I would have to give them kudos for that, because it, it's very tough, especially in a system like this, to do that, but the reason why we don't see that, and the reason why we see ministers shy away from it, is because you are openly talking about this man who was supposed to have bring the revealed word of the hour and saying that he's openly being racist 
And that's something that you can't do because then you have to go back and examine all the other things he said, like my precious colored friends, things, things where he tries to appear to be talking about people in a, what would appear if just on face value, if you don't understand what's really going on here, that he's saying nice things about people. But when you really dig down and when anything as substantial is going on in the civil rights movement, there seems to be a problem that he has with what's going on. You can't integrate schools. You can't do all these things because that's going to lead people to a death trap. You know, if if he was really spiritually inspired and had an angel speaking into his ear constantly, you got to imagine that that angel at one point, but listen here, Mr. Branham, um, yeah, that's actually not what's going to happen. People are actually going to integrate and things are actually going to get better. There's still going to be problems and they're going to continue to work on these things, but it's going to get better. But instead, Branham moves full force with the idea that it's going to lead people into a death trap and that death trap never happens. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, listen, high breeding, high breeding. He said, oh, how terrible high breeding. Here it goes. High breeding the people. New York, the big molting pot. I got hundreds of are precious colored friends that born again Christian. But on this line of segregation and things they're, they're talking about, high breeding the people. What? Tell me what fine cultural, fine Christian colored woman would want her baby to be a mulatta by a white man. No, sir, it's not right. What white man would want her uh, baby to be a mulatta by a colored man? God made us what we are. Let's stay what what God made us. I believe it's right. Wow, James, high breeding the people. It seems like I remember another minister saying this <laughs> recently and becoming <laughs> widely famous in the wrong way, in all of the wrong ways for this. <clears throat> what people don't realize is that William Branham's high breeding doctrine, when you combine that with his serpent seed doctrine, the summation of these two doctrines, when added together, is the summation of Wesley Swift's Christian identity, white supremacy, racist doctrine. You cannot say, when you combine these two things, you cannot say <clears throat> that this serpent seed was a spiritual bloodline that he's talking about. No, he is talking about a physical bloodline entered into the world, and we should not hybrid it. Hybrid it. He is specifically talking about two races and, and, in fact, class system of people. You've got the higher race, which we, the people with white skin, are, and then you've got the lower race. And anybody who wants to argue that with me, go find one of the couples who has tried to um, tried to get a minister to perform their wedding ceremony wherein one of them has black skin and one of them has white skin and just go see what happens see what they say because that is that is what this ultimately leads to it is a separation of the races which is exactly what the white supremacists were wanting to do at that time during this era <clears throat> the mixture of races, the interracial marriage, was quote-unquote communist to the white supremacists of the era, <clears throat> also communist to William Branham if you go study his sermons. So these men are parroting William Branham's white supremacy doctrine, again, in my opinion, making them white supremacist leaders because they're leading people into further white supremacy. Yeah, and... 
what's interesting here about this clip is what the minister said, says towards the end of this quote. And he's talking about the hybriding. And he says, everything that this age of hybriding and everything that's hybrid is dead. We, we know what Brother Branham is talking about is right because they hybrid the corn, they hybrid the cow, they hybrid the chicken, they hybrid everything. This is the age of hybriding. And everything that hybrid is dead. That's a very interesting way to phrase it because you're denigrating anything that is of a hybrid relationship. And, and so you're saying, and I mean, you even look at the things that Branham said around, you know, hi, the, the children of a, of a, of a mixed relation, of a mixed, uh, you know, union, you know, and there's all these things that it's just so problematic. And, and when ministers try to internalize these things and try to make them, make them make sense with today's current day in which we live in and where it's not something that you've got the clan going to come around and burn somebody's house down because they're in a mixed marriage or whatever to, you know, try to scare people away from these sorts of unions. There's, there's all these sorts of things that we've moved beyond today and to have people still parroting this stuff that should have these sorts of ideologies should have died in the fifties. And, and honestly, they should have never been around to begin with because it's such a, it's such a black mark and a stain on our history that we even, <clears throat> our forefathers even thought this way, you know, but to, to hear a minister parroting these things today and telling, telling his congregation that anything that hybrids is dead. It's a very, very sick, twisted way to try to manipulate this doctrine in the people's minds of today and to, and, and as just a way as you have white supremacists saying this kind of stuff, the opposite way you have black supremacists in some of these, some of these movements saying some similar things, saying that, you know, if we wouldn't want to mix with white people because we don't want to denigrate our, our line. And so, you know, it's, it's just, it's very unhealthy way to, to, to look at these things. And it's so sad to see this stuff be even being perpetrated today. Yeah, and it's interesting that you use the term black supremacist because <clears throat> there are a lot of people that have no idea <laughs> that that's even a thing. <clears throat> and, you know, where you have any, any, any demographic of human beings that has a problem, you're going to find another demographic that has a similar problem. And in any situation where you have people that are so severely oppressed – that you get somebody who has just they're they're they finally snap they've had enough they're going to come up swinging no matter who they are if you're in one of one of the situations where you're being oppressed and you have the you've taken all you can take you're going to fight to get more well after what happened in the 1950s and 60s after so many people with black skin were being brutally murdered and put into prisons wrongfully just severely oppressed people there were a number of people that came up swinging and i'm not by any means defending them some of them are very very bad people some of them were bad people and changed for the better but <clears throat> you can't really blame them for what what happened to them because they went through some severe oppression that you and i will never ever have we can never until we walk a mile in their shoes we can never even say what it is that we would do but to think that these ministers in today's world in what is supposed to be a christian religion to think that they're parroting white supremacists of the 60s that are causing that oppression 
it just blows your mind. Like I, I can't believe in this day and day and age that people are doing this. I can't believe that they're raising children to be white supremacists. It just, for me, it angers me, James. Yeah, and it's something that you know when you when you look back at the history and 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 some ministers have tried to renegotiate what's going on in Branham's time because they know there's these things that are problematic and so they try to they try to say that well us believing this religion of that was ministered and organized and and ran and led by a white supremacist that had very strong white supremacist ties at the very least um you have people try to renegotiate and reorganize and say, well, let's look at the context. Let's look at the time frame in which he was here to try to whitewash and say, well, you know, it's, he's a product of his time necessarily, which is, which is so unfair to do for, for a man to have, you know, the inspired word of God coming out of his mouth in one sentence and the next, it's like, well, he's a product of his time. So, you know, we should, we should, you know, look at these things and, 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 and the, in the lens of today and not necessarily judge him for, for what was going on there. It's, it's a very interesting way to sort of frame it. But in this next clip, we have a minister that sort of trying to set the stage for his congregation in the time frame in which some of this stuff was spoken. And, a little bit of revision, revisionist history going on, if I have to say myself. But let's uh, let's play the clip and uh, and see what we think. Now let's just take for a moment the backdrop behind Brother Branham. Here in America, just in America, we have a Cuban Missile Crisis. We have the vision of the youngest president to be elected, a Camelot of sorts. JFK is elected, and it's almost a, a Camelot that takes place. And he stands at his inauguration, said, it's not what this country can do for you, but it's what you can do for this country. Women given the right to vote. Visions happening so rapidly. Now think about the spirits that are being released. When Brother Branham is preaching some of these most incredible sermons, the Beatles come on the scene. And literally when they arrive, arrive in America, there's such an anointing on them until people that are sick go and where they are getting off of the plane are healed, thinking that the Messiah has arrived. The race rights was everywhere in America. What you see today is the harvest of what Brother Branham was contesting with. Race was taking place. Let me just say something to you about race. We're Christians. We're Christians. And we all came from the Adamic race. We are Christians. And if you are prejudiced, here is an altar. Malcolm X was on the scene and he was a militant part. He came out wanting to fight, wanting to kill, wanting to do a lot of different things. On the other side of that, the flip of that was Martin Luther King, who was a phenomenal speaker, who was more polished in many of his ways, who actually was a great visionary because he had a vision that one day that we could all live together. That's not on this earth, but there is coming a land. These are white supremacy leaders, in my opinion. My opinion, white supremacy leaders who are parroting a white supremacist who is working with the highest of ranking white supremacists. They're parroting William Branham. Branham is working with the highest ranking white supremacists. And they're saying things like this, that in... In this earth, we're never going to have integration. Come on, man. 
what era are you stuck in? I just have to, <laughs> I just have to ask that because what else can you say to this? These men, they're they're stuck in the fifties and sixties themselves. They don't realize that. Wait a minute. No, we can have integration. We can have people with black skin and white skin ride the same bus and use the same bathrooms. I just, I'm I'm blown away that <laughs> that you found this. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you really start digging in where all these ministers are saying, and even when they try to whitewash it, even when they try to make it better, the underlying core ideology still rings through in, through what they're saying because, like, you know, he says here, if you're racist, there's an altar here, you know, for you because we're not racist. But at the same time, he's telling them that the utopian vision of all races coming together and 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 uniting and and integrating, you know, is not something that's going to happen on this earth. It'll be in heaven, you know? And so it's like, it's like, why would you think that there's a underlying core racist ideology that is, is, is woven throughout the entire message of William Branham. And that's how you come to these sorts of things because, you know, this is the way Branham thought. So it's not very hard to see how some of these ministers get to the same conclusions. Like it or not, this is a historical message. This thing was preached in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, actually earlier than that. Most of them don't know it, <clears throat> but they have taken a snapshot in time during one of the most horrific times in American history. That's the snapshot that we unfortunately have chosen, and they're parroting it, and they're preaching on it as if forever in time this snapshot should remain the same and exist. In fact, if you went to my grandfather's church, you'd hear him say, especially after the votes, everything remains the same. That's the way they <laughs> want it. <laughs> they want it to remain the same. And in doing so, they unfortunately, like I've said in <laughs> a few times now, in my opinion, they're white supremacist leaders, but they're more than that. They also are becoming educators. Because as history is slowly forgotten over time, well, these guys have to keep reminding people of the history so that this historical nonsense that came from the 40s, 50s, and 60s makes some sort of sense in today's world. They have to become educators of history, but they're on the wrong side of history. So where you end up with is you have, in my opinion, white supremacist educators who are educating and raising children to become white supremacists. Yeah, I mean, when you don't really know your history all that well and you just parrot the things from a prophet messenger who himself was a buffoon and didn't know his history, didn't know his Bible, was, you know, chums and buddies with the grand dragon of the of the new KKK, you know, um, it, it's, yeah, it's no wonder that these people can't get their history right. And some people, it's... It's not just from a realm of ignorance. It's because they themselves believe these things and they are pushing them and trying to sneak them into their, to their messages. Um, you know, th th this particular one here, I mean, the coming up, I mean, you've got very interesting things being said. And this is, th th this is a clip from the 1990s of a minister who was very well known, very well respected in his time, um, before the decline of his own ministry. And, you know, because his direct ties with Branham and how, um, how much respect he garnered off of that wave after Branham's death, you know, um, 
<clears throat> it's very shocking to hear some of these things. And as you get closer to the source, things are, and people are more comfortable in what's being said because there's still more open support. You know, some of the quiet, today it would be saying the quiet part out loud. Then it's kind of saying the thing that we believe and just kind of saying it, you know, um, cause you're closer in, you have more support. It's not quite so underground. Um, so yeah, this is a very interesting clip. Let's take a look at this next one. But it's strange that even Hitler couldn't bomb the Vatican, and nobody touches it. <clears throat> but he runs everything. Now the press is giving always him full credit for bringing peace in the world, bringing peace in the world. If you say a lie long enough and enough people believe it, it won't be long until about everybody believes the lie, and you'll really believe it like nobody else did. And if you don't believe that, I tell you, you just hear the voices of Hitler and men like Hitler and Martin Luther King and these men that can really speak up with the spirit on. I got no problem with either one of them. Oh, my gosh, James. <laughs> you talk about taking the wrong side of history. <laughs> I should... <laughs> <laughs> I, I should stop and mention that <clears throat> this is one of the most respected names in all of the message. This is the man that, I mean, quite literally, this was William Branham's publicist. I'm still not going to give his name, but everybody who hears this quote, they're going to, if you're in the message cult following of William Branham, you already know who this person is. If you're outside of this, let's just say this was William Branham's publicist. This is the guy who outed William Branham for working <laughs> with several homosexual men. This is the guy that publicly outed Branham for this. This is the guy who, when Branham was working with the <clears throat> the adopted cousin of Hit Adolf Hitler's Minister of Defense, um, <laughs> William Branham was working with a a true Nazi. I mean, this guy was this guy was not a good guy. And also, according to this person who I won't mention, was also homosexual. <clears throat> All of this is being presented to the people as if this is the right way of history. His, Hitler was on the correct side of history. If you take what this man is saying to its full and to its full conclusion, no, man, <laughs> this is not the right side of history. <laughs> yeah, and, and to hear a man compare. Hitler and and Martin Luther King together put them on the same put them on the same level and they say I have a problem with neither one of them. So you take someone who we all agree is really bad and I'm we're talking about Hitler here and then you have someone who we who we say fought for social uh social justice and and fought for to change the way that we view race in this country and 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 to integrate and to and to uh turn away from racism as an as uh, on a national level. And then you compare those two people and say, I've got no problem with either one of them. It is so mind-boggling to hear somebody say that in the exact same sense, because I can think of not one, just many things to have a problem with Hitler with. And it's just, I don't, I don't, I'm at a loss for words, John, honestly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've heard time and time again, all of these ministers, they know this is wrong. And I'm, I'm using the word ministers loosely, very loosely quoted. In my opinion, they're white supremacist leaders because they're teaching white supremacy in today's era, <clears throat> which is still unbelievable. But what they end up doing is they know it's wrong, and so they end up having to make excuses for it. And in doing so, they make themselves look like even more of a fool because they're, they're trying to defend white supremacy 
and they're anybody who has any knowledge of the era in which they're referring to they realize what these men are doing and they suddenly start to realize hey wait a minute these guys aren't being quite honest with me this last clip that we have here is as another interesting look at how ministers try to wrestle with and renegotiate Branham's problematic statements around Martin Luther King and uh, I'll just say that this one's quite a doozy so let's uh, let's roll into it and let's see what we think and let me just lay this in I'm not making the Martin Luther King thing thus saith the Lord because brother Branham didn't but I do say this right here I do look at those things very closely because I study what was he seeing that he said I have an opinion on I want to see what he's seeing I hope you're all, hope you're all right with that I'm not making a dust saith the Lord, but I know he's seeing something. Amen. It's just like when Brother Bram says and people have a problem with it. On oh, 1977, you know, I predict, uh, you know, under divine inspiration. Well, what's wrong? What's wrong with that statement? Right. You get inspired too, and I have too, and predicted things, and thought things, and yet we were under real, true inspiration. Right. <laughs> you know, James, if I take my car to a mechanic, <clears throat> and the mechanic looks at it, and... You know, there's a few things wrong with it. And he says, well, in my opinion, you probably need to change your alternator. I'm probably going to trust his advice as a <laughs> as a mechanic that he knows that the alternator is probably the problem. These guys, man, <clears throat> whenever William Branham has a failed prophecy and like this, where he says William Branham had it under divine inspiration, well, man, a prophet's got one job. He's doing prophecy. He's, when a prophet makes a prediction or gives something under quote-unquote divine inspiration, make no mistake, it is a prophecy. And to defend what William Branham said in a very racist way about Martin Luther King, the substance of this, for, those, for the audience that isn't aware, <clears throat> William Branham was preaching the race war theology. This was the key subject for white supremacists of the 1960s. These guys were saying that Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, all of these guys were leading and building up to what would become a race war, and the race war would combine with communism, overthrow the United States government, and we as our white supremacist freedom fighters need to take our arms and overthrow all of this because the United States government has been infiltrated. And they became very militant. William Branham died before it, you know, it reached the, the severe, the very extreme militant stance that it became. But make no mistake, he was part of it. And same with the mechanic example. If you're a white supremacist and you're saying what the white supremacists are, make no mistake, you are a white supremacist. William Branham was a white supremacist. These guys who are defending it in my opinion, they're white supremacist leaders defending the white supremacy. Yeah, and the, the sort of mental gymnastics that this minister takes here with trying to, because this is something that, this is the cop-out that a lot of ministers use. They'll say that, well, if Branham didn't say, thus saith the Lord, even though there's times that he said, thus saith the Lord, that things, you know, you're like, okay, well, that didn't happen. <laughs> but then they'll take a sit. A situation where he appears to be prophesying or he appears to be saying something inspired, but maybe he didn't say the exact words, thus saith the Lord, or the angel told me, or things like that. They'll say, well, it's not inspired. And then you have this other sort of thing that I've heard, I heard many times growing up in a, in a message church, and they'll try to, you know, they'll say that, 
Branham himself said that when he saw into the future, um, he's claiming he saw into the future, he couldn't see beyond 1977 because everything he saw beyond that was pitch black. And it's very convenient when you have a guy who has been proven to have taken uh, some of his prophecies from things he saw at the World's Fair that he attended, uh, different things throughout history where you can show that, you know, the the, the so-called uh, auto you know, um, remote controlled car with the family playing the game in the back seat that was directly out of a magazine article. Um, you know, there's all these things. It's very easy to see the future when you have something in the present that you're referencing to see the future. Um, but when you can't actually see the future, it's very convenient to say everything is pitch black beyond 1977. And so ministers will use this, use this as a cop out to say, well, he couldn't quite see beyond 1977. So that's why some of his, his, his future things are a little muddy and it's not quite exactly how it could be. You know, it sounds exactly like a con man to me, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you can come to your own conclusion on that, I guess. But then the minister takes another stance and says, well, some have said, well, that's just his opinion. And then he says, I'll take his opinion over your opinion any day. I'll even take it over my opinion. So there's multiple layers to this, and there's multiple levels of cop-out that different ministers take depending on their own background and how they want to dice up some of these things he said. But at the end of the day, it's extremely problematic, and these people are not saying what needs to be said, that William Brandon was preaching, ra- preaching racist ideology over his pulpit, and they are not saying it for what it is and giving people a chance to examine it in a historical context, in an accurate historical context. <laughs> yeah. I mean, logically think about how this works, James. <clears throat> I'm no prophet, so I can't say that I know exactly how that would work. But logically speaking, if you're seeing the date 1977 and then you can't see past it, you are seeing some sort of a chronological timeline. Otherwise, you how would you know it's 1950, 1977? I think I said 1957. So if you can't see beyond this, you have some sort of a clear marker that, okay, I see all of the things happening to 1977 and then beyond this, I know nothing because my prophets, my prophecy has limits. But the fact that he got almost 100% of it incorrect in between there, leading up to the 1977, they don't mention that. (laughs) They don't mention that he got so much of it wrong or that he waffled back and forth and he would say the polar opposite of all of the things leading to 1977 in so much you can't even believe that he saw a single thing. So he's he's not got his timeline correct. If this was a prophecy, it wasn't a prophecy from God because <clears throat> most of it, a majority was incorrect. But then take it a step further, most of his visions appear to match exactly what the white supremacists were envisioning for the future. They weren't claiming prophecy, but they were saying these bad things are going to happen because we have people with black skin in the United States that we are attempting to give equal rights to. Because he is, William Branham is parroting those guys, those guys in effect become prophets to William Branham's parroting of what they're saying is coming. And it all, it's all incorrect. Martin Luther King did not lead his people to this race war that all of the white supremacists were proclaiming. So in my opinion, you've got a white supremacist false prophet. 
You've got today in, in today's world, you've got all of these white supremacist leaders trying to lift up the dead guy and make him look like he's a prophet when they, in fact, know he was a false prophet. And they've they've got themselves in the situation that most of them can't get out of. That's their livelihood. That's how they make their money. That's how that's how they drive their Cadillacs. <laughs> so there's no way that these, these many of these guys are going to give this up. <clears throat> so in my opinion, the whole system is so flawed. But fortunately, in today's world, you have social media, you have the school system, although they try to pull you out of it. <clears throat> You've got all sorts of ways in which you can become educated as to what happened in the past. And people are starting to wake up to this. Whether you and I talk about it or not, there are people that are becoming aware that these guys look an awful lot like the white supremacists of the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. Whether they are or not, I have my opinion. You're welcome to yours. People are waking up to this, and fortunately, there will be people who leave. The other sad thing is that there's people who, outside of this movement, try to use Branham as a pillar to build their own ministries and their own new age movements and and, and even people that you and Charles have exposed that share lineage, you know, branches coming off these different movements that spawned off of Branham and people that he was associated with. And, you know, there's people who read things like God's Generals and and, and they, they, they see Branham as such a pillar, as, as, as such somebody who is to be respected for these different things in, in, in these movements. But, you know, I really hope some of these people have a chance to, to, to see some of this media that's been put out on this channel and others to, to, to be like, Branham is, if, if, if your movement is trying to pop, prop Branham up and say he is, he's a pillar of virtue and, and he's one of the people that God used in, in the, in the fifties and sixties, then, I would uh, I would have a, I would have a lot of questions for the for the person who's leading your movement. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, <clears throat> talk about the wrong foundation, man. <laughs> yeah, 100%. If you have weird doctrines that you'd like for us to discuss on the show, you can contact us on the web. You can find us at william-branham.org. For an in-depth look at the dangers of being in these groups, you can read Weaponized Religion from Latter Rain to Colonia Dignidad, available on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. 